This is why we can't have nice things. Whoa. <laughs> wow. I sound a lot better with it turned on, I'm going to be honest. Uh, but thank you. And, and, and this is, has been a dream of mine. I, I don't know if you noticed there are not nearly as many chords up here. Used to be there was, it looked like, uh, I don't know. It, it was a trip hazard. We had, when, when other pastors would come in and speak, or preachers, they'd trip, almost trip on our chords because they weren't used to having to pick their feet up so high. Uh, but it's a blessing. And, and uh, so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful, um, thankful for people obeying what they felt the Lord was telling them. Amen. God is good. Um, if you um, have not been... Um, connected with a connect group yet, I want to encourage you to do that. Um, I'm going to have the connect group leaders who are here go ahead and stand so that you'd know. Um, go ahead, stand, okay. Everybody kind of look around, okay. If you haven't talked to any of these people or uh, they haven't talked to you, uh, get with them after the service um, because we want you to get involved with a connect group. Okay, you can all sit down now. Thank you. Uh, we want you to get involved with, with the church. When you, when you get tied in, when you get bought in, um, when, you, when you get with others and you, you fellowship with them, and then you, you make connections. And then why are we doing this? Because we want to be like the Acts 2 church, right? Oh. Okay, yeah. Uh, there's a men, young men's connect group. I'm too old. Um, but there's a young men's connect group tonight here at the church, right? Seven o'clock. Yep. Okay. All right. And if and please stop by uh, the tables. The connect group people are going to be around. So grab one of them and talk to them about it. <clears throat> okay. God is good. Let me get my Bible out. I see. I just got a text from someone that says, "Turn your mic on." So many people looking out for me. It's good to be loved. I need this many people looking out for me. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark, the second chapter. I sent them the scriptures, but I don't know. Okay. I didn't send them till 9.55 this morning, so she probably didn't get them. Mark, chapter 2, I'm going to be reading 1 through 12. I've been reading the book of Mark in my personal um, devotion, my personal Bible study time, um, and I don't know about you, but when I read the scripture, I don't like to go super fast, and just, I like to go slow, zoom in, see what's really being said, see what's really being taught, try to get all the details, everything out of the story. I'm not one of those these people who are going to get up here and say, oh, I just... I read the whole New Testament in two days. I'm not, that doesn't impress me. It might impress you, and, and, and if, it, if that's what you like to do, that's fine. But I, you can't read it all and get that much out of it. I'm sorry, I don't think you can. I like to read with comprehension. I like to read it and then understand it and dig deep. I don't want just surface level, I want to dig deep. So, Mark 2, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived, 
carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Imagine, if you will, for just a moment, if someone was trying to bring, to bring someone to church this morning and it was too busy, they couldn't get through because of the crowd, and they climbed on the roof and started digging through the roof to get to Jesus. Some of us would be upset. Some of us would be impressed. I tell you, if anybody walks in the door, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed if anybody comes through the door. I, I had a conversation not too long ago about what people wear to church and should they, should they wear this or that. And, I'm, and my comment was, hey, if somebody walks in the door, it's a win. It's a win if somebody walks in the door. I'm going to stand in their way. I'm not going to meet them at the door and say, well... All right, I didn't mean to get on that. But just know there are some churches that will. Okay, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Scriptures. Lord, I pray in these next few moments as we look into them, God, that we would begin to see uh, things about ourselves that we need to change to be more like you, things... Um, things in the scripture, things in the text that we haven't seen before. God, reveal yourself to us in a new and a mighty way. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this is a fascinating story. Many of you have, uh, many of you know this story. Many of you have heard uh, sermons preached on, on this text. Some of you have probably preached sermons on this text. But I'm just going to look at it um, this morning. And, and as I was finishing this sermon up, I thought to myself, Boy, this is really simple. This is really just bare bones simple, but sometimes, sometimes we need that. Sometimes I need that. Sometimes I need to just get back uh, to the basics. And, and last week was pretty, pretty hard-hitting, pretty controversial. This week's going to be pretty easy for you. Well, I shouldn't say easy, but... Uh, <laughs> I'll probably, I'll probably make it controversial at some point, just knowing me. I'll probably go into that, that deep end. Uh, I just want to pull out some observations from, from this story in Mark 2. And here's the first one. We all need friends. We all need friends. And 
Another commercial for the Connect Group. That's why it's so important to get connected with people, with other believers. We need people in our lives who recognize when we need to be taken to Jesus and will put us on a mat and drag us to Jesus, whatever it takes. We need people in our lives who are willing to tell us the the hard truth sometimes that you need Jesus in that situation. You need to give that to Jesus. You need to turn that over to God. We need people in our lives who will do that for us. We need friends. We need friends. We need one another. We need a community of believers. Sometimes I'm too weak. Sometimes I'm too depressed. Sometimes I can't do it by myself. Sometimes I can't get myself here to Jesus. And I need somebody to help me. Sometimes you're too weak. Sometimes you're too depressed. Sometimes you're too sick. You can't get to Jesus. You need somebody to help you. This man needed people to get him to Jesus. Can you imagine how that went, that conversation? Because one of them had to come, one of the five had to come up with, got this idea. Hear me out. You're going to carry me to Jesus. Or we're going to carry you to Jesus. And then when they got there, I mean, if it had been me, I'd have been like, oh, I'm sorry, bud. Look at the line. Look at the line to get in there to see Jesus. I'm not, I can't wait in that line. I got things to do. We went to see uh, McCole Hardman down at Dick's Sporting Goods in Kansas City, and there was a line around the whole store. And the people who had got there early got wristbands, and they got to stand in a special line. We were standing at the back of the other line. He was only going to be there till 7.30, and it's like 7.20, and my line hasn't even started moving yet. But do you think I left? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I got pictures on my phone of Cole Hardman signing Miles' T-shirt. <laughs> what, was I, what point was I making with this? There was a big line to get to Jesus. Some of us will stand in line all day to see an athlete, a special teamer, but we won't wait for Jesus. Oh, get up an hour earlier on a Sunday to get to Jesus? I'm guilty too. My alarm went off and I didn't quite get up when I was supposed to this morning myself, so I understand it. But if it would have been me carrying it, I'd have been like, oh, I'm sorry, pal. Too big of a line. Maybe next year, maybe next time. Maybe Jesus will come this way again. No, these people were determined. They climbed on the roof and started digging the roof off. Now, it wasn't a roof like this. It was probably made of branches or, or something. Nonetheless, it was a structure. It was a roof, and it took some effort. To get a paralyzed man to a roof was not an easy task. That's the friend you're called to be. Sometimes you have to carry people in uncomfortable places, carry people and do hard things. Sometimes God calls us to do that. Sometimes we're the friends who is being carried, and sometimes we're carrying other people to Jesus. Be the type of friend who will carry someone to Jesus. Be the type of friend who will recognize and be honest with your friends 
about when they need to turn things over to Jesus or when they need to give things to Jesus. That's hard to do sometimes. You ever have conversations with people and they start telling you all of their issues, all of their problems, and you want to just scream, give it to Jesus. Stop telling me about it. Well, that's not what we're called to do either. We're called to be compassionate and empathetic. But be the type of person who is loving enough who will get them to that point where they see that they need to give it to Jesus. Be that type of friend. Be the type of friend. And also be the type of friend who's open to godly counsel. Be the type of friend who's open to someone telling you that you need to give that to God. Be open to that. Be open to the godly counsel of others. And be the type of friend who will take people to Jesus. We all need friends. And it says that Jesus saw their faith. It doesn't say Jesus saw the man's faith. He says he saw their faith. Sometimes the faith of another can sustain you. Sometimes the faith of a parent, the faith of a spouse, the faith of a friend can help carry you through difficult times. I know there were times in my childhood, that you're gonna, it's probably hard for you to believe that I wasn't a perfect child. There were times in my childhood where my parents' faith carried me, where my parents' faith sustained me. Times in my marriage where my wife's faith has sustained me, has carried me. These men's faith sustained their friend, carried their friend. Sometimes we need the faith of others to carry us. Because if we're honest, sometimes our faith is weak. I heard a message this week uh, by a famous pastor, and he said, I, I'm going to say the things that you're too afraid to say, <laughs> right? But sometimes our faith is weak. We don't like to say it, and we don't like to talk about that. We, we like to pretend that we're strong all the time. But sometimes our faith is weak. Sometimes when we're in the fire, our faith is weak. Sometimes when we're in the flood, we say, God, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? Sometimes we don't see him in the fire. Sometimes we don't see him in the flood. Sometimes we feel all alone. And that's when you need a community of believers around you to lift you up and to rip the roof off the place and to lower you through to Jesus. Sometimes we need the faith of others. When Jesus saw the faith of this connect group, <laughs> Somebody got it. <laughs> when Jesus saw the faith of this group, <clears throat> this man's life was changed. This man's life was changed. We don't just have connect groups so that we can get together and talk. It's, it's to bring people to Jesus. It's to bring about change in people's lives. That's the next function I, I, I want to take the Connects group to. Not just we, we do stuff, but then we impact our community somehow. We don't just get together. We do things for others. When Jesus saw the faith of this Connect group, he forgave the man's sins. There's a time... When we need Jesus, there's a time psychology is great. Psychiatrists are great. Doctors are great. But sometimes Jesus is the only cure. Sometimes Jesus is the only answer. Be the type of friend who will take others to Jesus. Be the type of friend who will be open to godly counsel of others telling you that you need to get to Jesus. 
we all need friends. It's important. James 5.16 says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another so that you'll be healed. Community is important. I don't know, I talk about it all the time. People think they can be lone wolf Christians. I had a conversation this week with a guy who says he doesn't need to go to church to be saved. And I, I didn't tell him that he had to go to church to have a relationship with Jesus. But I think to maintain a relationship with Jesus, you need to be around a community of believers. I don't think to get saved, you got to be. But I think to stay saved, you might want to be. If that makes sense. And we talk about this all the time. How, how are you going to walk in the gifts of the Spirit at home on the couch with your cat watching church online? You're like, get over here, Toonses. I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> Toonses, the driving cat. It's not going to happen. You need, church needs to be lived out in a community of believers. And if you don't go to this church or like this church, you need to find a church where you can live that out. Right. <clears throat> Community is important. It's important that we confess our faults one to another, pray for one another, so that we'll be healed from the things that are bothering us, from the things that are hindering us. Okay, do we get the point? The first point of the message is, we all need friends. And under that point is we need to be friends and we need to let others be friends to us. Jesus forgives the man of his sins. The first thing that Jesus does when he sees their faith is he forgives this man of his sins. And do you notice that the man didn't ask for his sins to be forgiven? It's very interesting. And do you also notice that Jesus has not died yet? but yet he still forgives sins without sacrifice in the temple. I just want you to think about that for just a second. Jesus forgives sins. That's what he does. That's the kind of God he is. We all need our sins to be forgiven. Every single person in here has things that they have done that they need to be forgiven for. And, and Jesus, forgiving this man of his, of his sins, exposes something in the Pharisees, in the religious. And that's something that Jesus came to do. See, the Pharisees were, they were very strict and they worked very hard not to sin. And then to see someone who they knew had to be a sinner because he was sick... Because that was the thinking of the time. Do you remember the disciples said, Jesus, why is this man blind? Who sinned? Him or his parents? Jesus said, neither. That's the wrong question. And so they had to assume that this man was a sinner. And they didn't like him immediately. They didn't like his sins being forgiven so easy. He was brought up to their sinless level like that. And they worked hard. I mean, they didn't pick corn on the Sabbath. They washed their hands ceremoniously every time they accidentally touched someone who was unclean. They, I mean, the rules that they kept. They didn't wear 
a fabric made of two different kinds of cloths. They, had, they didn't shave their beards. Side note, when anybody starts uh, telling you and uh, trying to hold you to um, Deuteronomy texts in your personal life, um, look to see if, they've, if their coat is made of two different fabrics and if they have a beard or if they've cut their hair. Because if they aren't living to the standard, they can't hold you to the standard. What we like to do is we like to go into the Old Testament and pick certain scriptures out. Like, oh, I think we ought to keep that one. But we're not going to keep the rest. Those are too hard. I don't know why I'm ranting on that. I've been watching too many, too much fake sermon on Twitter. If you want to know where that's coming from, go to at fake sermon on Twitter. There's some interesting stuff there. What was I talking about? We all need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. And there's, there's, there's a way of living your life where we live like the Pharisee or we live like the man who wouldn't get, out, get up. And people who live like Pharisees think that they're pretty good and they don't need Jesus to forgive them of their sins. I've heard people say, oh, I haven't asked for forgiveness of my sins because I don't think I've really done anything wrong. And there's those kinds of people and those are Pharisees, and Jesus exposes them. But there's also the kind of people who think that they're so bad that God couldn't do anything with them. They've done so much. They've sinned so much. Their sin is too egregious, too awful, too horrible that God could never do anything with them. And those people are wrong, too. In this story, Jesus brings the Pharisees down, but he lifts the sinner up. So whether you are a Pharisee this morning that needs to be brought down, or whether you're a sinner that needs to be brought up, Jesus is here. And he'll do it. (laughs) I can tell you I lived most of my life as a Pharisee. I lived most of my life... Even though I was taught that we are saved by grace, not through works, I lived most of my life thinking that my works made me a pretty good person. And to be honest with you, I was probably better than most. Because I had never done this. I I could give you a list of things that I had not done. And as soon as I found out someone else had done those things, they were put in a category in my mind. And I thought pretty well of myself and then I got saved but then I really got saved then I met Jesus I was probably 30 (laughs) I lived my whole life as a Pharisee thinking I was better than everybody else thinking I was one of God's favorite thinking that I had said a prayer when I was three or five or however old I was and now I just kept a set of standards, and that made me, that gave me God's favor. That made me one of God's favorites. And then I met Jesus, and he brought me down. But then he picked me up. <laughs> that's what coaches say, that, oh, we've got to break the boys down, and then we're going to build them back up. <laughs> well, sometimes that's what we need. Sometimes we need to be brought low. And the Pharisees obviously needed to be brought low because every encounter they have with Jesus, that's what he does. And religious people are like that. 
They, they, they have faith not in God, but in their practices. Faith not in God, but in their religion. Faith not in God, but in what they do. And yes, I believe that faith without works is dead. Once you have faith, you will have works. But first it's faith. First it's grace. For all have sinned. All have fallen short. No matter how good you are. No matter how... Uh, clean you have kept yourself you are still a sinner and you're not better than anybody else that was a hard lesson for this pharisee to learn pharisees don't like the notion that sins can be so easily forgiven you notice how jesus forgave just like it was nothing just i mean forgiveness just rolled off the tongue of jesus so easy walker talked a couple weeks ago about how carrying our cross is a cross of imitation of imitating Jesus? Does forgiveness roll off our tongue so easy? Does forgiveness roll, flow out of us that easy? Oh, no. Oh, no. You don't know what they did to me. They're dead to me now. <laughs> Have you ever said that about somebody? You ever heard somebody say, oh, they're dead to me? Okay. You're that important, huh? You get to decide that. If you hear stuff like that coming out of your mouth sometimes, come to the altar and get saved. Jesus can become your Savior. <laughs> Jesus can become Lord of your life. You can start imitating Jesus. No one should be dead to you. Except for your sin. Except for your former the old has passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The old man, yeah, I'm constantly trying to put him down. Paul said daily I try to put down the old man and kill the old man. But part of that is loving everybody else, even those who have done awful things to you. You hear of pastors and ministers who haven't talked to family members and won't look at them and won't talk to them. That's not the Jesus way. Forgiveness flowed out of Jesus' mouth easy. It rolled off his tongue. Like patting for a dance. That's how easy it was for Jesus to forgive people. And that's how easy it should be for you. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. Sometimes it's a choice that you have to make. You have to choose to forgive and, and forgive with your mouth and forgive with... And then the rest, the rest of you catches up later sometimes. But you've got to make the choice to forgive. All right. That's all free preaching right there. It was easy for Jesus to forgive. Um, we're all hopeless sinners in desperate need of forgiveness. The Son of Man has power to forgive sins. So whether you think you're pretty good and don't need forgiveness, or whether you think you're just too bad, Jesus is here to set you straight this morning. Your failure as a Christian isn't too much for him to forgive. Your failure as a mother, as a father, isn't too much for him to forgive. Your failures in sin, when they come into his presence, they lose their power over you. Amen. Amen. Jesus came to forgive sins. Jesus came to forgive you. Jesus is here today to forgive you. Jesus wants to forgive you.
And I'm on to my third point. I should make some of you happy. Jesus isn't just concerned with forgiving your sins. Jesus isn't just concerned with your afterlife. It's a mistake that we have made in Christianity for a long time. That Jesus is only concerned with afterlife affairs and then the here and now you, you got to do on your own. Jesus heals the man. <clears throat> I love the question that Jesus asks. He says, which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? There's another translation of that, that Greek word. I won't try to pronounce it. That is, which is more convenient to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Well, it's easy for us to say, oh, probably the most important thing would be to forgive the sins. But we're not laying on a mat and had to be carried in. I would say that man would probably say, oh, I'd kind of like to be healed. <laughs> I'd kind of like to walk out of here. <laughs> if I, I mean, yeah, I want, I, can I get both? <laughs> How about both? <laughs> How about you forgive my sins, but really I want to walk. The man was carried there so he could walk away. That's why he was there. He was there to be healed. But Jesus knows that true healing happens with freedom from sins. But then he wants to heal us from those things that hold us down. Everybody in here doesn't need physical healing this morning, but everybody in here needs healed from something. Everybody needs healed from a hurt that they received as a child or healed from a hurt that they received as an adult or healed from something that you have done that you just carry the guilt so much or healed from anxiety or healed. Everybody needs healed from something. We all struggle. We're all struggling with something. And Jesus doesn't just want to forgive you of your sins, but he wants to set you free from that thing that is holding you back. He wants to forgive you of your sins, but he wants to get you up off the ground and get you on your way. It's important that he forgives your sins, yes, but it's also important that he sets you free from the things that bind you, things like addiction, things like uh, depression, things, things that are holding you down. I don't know what it is that's holding you down, but you do, and he does. So come to Jesus. Quit carrying it yourself. You weren't designed to carry that weight. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My burden's easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to Jesus. Stand up. Get back on your feet. See, Jesus isn't just a lawyer who goes into the courtroom and gets our, the case against us thrown out. He's a doctor that comes in and sees what we need. And heals us. He's concerned with right now. Yes, he's concerned with the future, but he is also concerned with your right nows. He's concerned with your eternal, eternal soul, but he's concerned with 
your everyday life too. So stand up, get back on your feet. You've been down too long. He didn't tell somebody else to pick up this young man's mat. He told him to. He didn't need his friends to carry him home. They had to carry him there, but they didn't have to carry him home. They carried him to Jesus, but after an encounter with the living God, he walked home on his own power. What are you willing to do to get to Jesus? They went through many obstacles. First, it was the crowd. You know, we come up with all kinds of excuses why we won't go to Jesus or, or won't go to church. And again, you can say, well, I don't have to go to church to get to Jesus. Okay. That's how he chose, that's how he chose uh, to reveal himself was through his church. Right? That's where his spirit was poured out upon his church. They were gathered together in one accord. They were having church. If you read it, Peter was expounding upon the scriptures beforehand and afterhand. They were together in one place and God showed up and did something. Most of the time when God shows up and does, does things in your life, it's in church. It doesn't always happen in church. It can happen in your car, in your drive home. It can happen anywhere. It can happen on the job. But he can always be found in the elements. That is the, that is the one place we know. We know that God can be found in preaching. He can be found in singing. But we know that he will always be in the uh, body and the blood. He will always be there. He's always represented there. As often as you do this, I will be there. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst. So we're going to take communion this morning together as a body of believers. I'm going to ask the band if they'll come back up. I have some more stuff in my notes, but I feel like this is a good place to stop. So.